everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. I am super excited to have this conversation, you guys, because I am not on my own this week. I have the amazing, amazing Shaylee Hugendorn with me, who I'm going to give you guys a little introduction to, but she's very special to me because she is also someone who lives with bipolar as well, and we got connected a while ago, we were on each other's podcast as well. I'm super excited to have her here because Shaylee is a lot of things, guys. She is a speaker, <laughs> vlogger, mental health advocate. She's also an elementary school teacher and an event planner as well who works to dismantle the stigma around mental health and create a safe community for those that are struggling. She also lives with bipolar two and is passionate about educating and empowering others about mental health disorders as well. And she has facilitated online and in-person interviews and panels, including the sister in mental illness series for she loves magazine. And she also is the host of this is bipolar vlog and podcast as well. I can't wait to get into the episode and get into this conversation with Shaylee. So Shaylee, thank you so much for coming out on the podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. We had so much fun together on, on this is bipolar podcast. So I'm really excited to hang out with you. I know. And I can't wait just to get into, again, more of your background and story mm -hmm. and just talk about this is bipolar and what you're really bringing to the table mm -hmm. with what you're creating and the stories that you're sharing and really, you know, letting me come out. So when you think about your journey living with bipolar so far, mm. if you can tell me one thing that comes to mind that you feel like has helped you that you thought would never help you. Mm. What is that thing? One. Okay. I, I know it's hard. No, no, I can do hard things. Um, uh, definitely. I think the number one thing would be community because mm -hmm. I think I never thought that I would find this many other people. I knew there was probably someone out there, but I didn't know that there was, um, you know, this many in community and the beautiful thing about, you know, people are always down on online spaces, but the beautiful thing about online spaces is that how, that's how we became friends. That's how you hear those me too's or you're not alone. And I didn't realize how much that would impact me. And I didn't realize how alone I actually really felt. So I would say community, whether it be in person, online, um, you know, sometimes you start really slow because it's, it's hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just getting back to that with the feeling of feeling alone, mm. when did you get into discovering the online spaces mm. and what was that transition like from feeling like there's no one out there. Mm. I can't find anyone to slowly discovering yeah. other people. Yeah. So I think the very first time, so I was diagnosed in 2010. So I think it was like 2016. So I had told like a few trusted people here and there, but I used more words like I have depression and anxiety. Like I didn't use the big B word, right? That took a while. Mm. And so I very first time that I spoke about it publicly, I was with my friends at She Loves Magazine, who are my friends. And also we, we kind of worked together to make this online space. And it was the first time. And I think there was like 80 other women in the room. And I 
said the word and I told them about the night going into emergency. And I, even in with those 80 people, a few people came up to me. And I remember the one was like, I've never told anybody before. And to me, that was the feeling that I got from that, that I, that there was able to be a a safe space for someone to tell me was just so healing for me. So it started there. And then, you know, I was doing online work or different things. And then she loves magazine. They're like, well, do you want to share also on the, on the magazine? And I was like, okay, writing is so hard for me. I know that I micro blog on Instagram and I know like I write for blog posts, but it's painful. Like I can talk till the cows come home, but it's like, I agonize because it's like, you write one thing, I'll change it like a million times. Whereas if I just talk to you, I talk to you and hope I say something helpful. But it's, I'm an extrovert, right? So I was like, oh, I tried to, I, the first one I did write it. And then finally I was talking to the editor and I was like, I know nobody else is doing this, but can I do it on video? At first I told my story, but then can I interview other people? And it was just, it was very broad. It was sisters and mental illness. So it was other women with different mental health disorders, but then, then that grew into so much encouragement to do even more on my own. But I, that was very scary. And so I came across Julie's book and I found out that's Julie Craft. She was the co-host when we first started. And up until March, she's written a book and now she's writing another one. Little plug for Julie. Um, but I met her and I interviewed her on She Loves. Fast forward, pandemic. Okay, and we were going to do, we realized a week before World Bipolar Day, because I used to always forget when I was, <laughs> um, a week before we're like, oh, we should do a collab or an image or something for World Bipolar Day. And then literally the world shut down and we did FaceTime. We were talking about trying to do that one thing. And within two hours, we had a podcast name. We had a, <laughs> and we wanted, it was really important to us for it to be a vlog as well, because the one thing also to go with your question before is that I wanted to see faces and I wanted like I didn't want to just see stereotypes in the movies I wanted to see faces telling the truth and not just telling me you know wrap it in a bow I wanted people to tell me about the messy middle and I wanted people to because I felt like I didn't fit in because you know it it is incurable but we can manage and can do other things so then when everybody would claim to be cured, I felt like there was so much wrong with me. So podcast, we started that and I didn't realize we thought maybe like our moms would listen, like (laughs) maybe one person. We had no clue. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we, no clue. We just knew we needed, we had this energy. We were probably a little bit hypomanic because we were, the whole world was shutting down. So we just, we were like, let's channel. We have the time. Let's channel into this. And it kind of slowly built and then like a lot more than we ever imagined. And we're like, there is people out there and people wanting to to see this and relating to our story. And then that just encouraged us where we were like, we want to help people. We want to both feel, help people feel less alone, but also like hopefully other people that love people with bipolar or anybody will want to learn. Right. And so yeah, we started it. And then our biggest to this day, the biggest message is, is just that, like, I didn't know there were other people out there. And so 
um, it it just keeps growing. And um, yeah, I thought for sure, you know, you kind of think you're helping other people, but I didn't realize how much it helped me. Like, I literally think that the podcast and the Instagram community, not like having that focus and being able to do that work, uh, I think it got me through. I really did through the pandemic because it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. No, I relate to that a hundred percent. I love that you talk about when you opened up in that room of 80 people mm-hmm. and then how did that come about? So going from that before you were talking about she loves, did they mm-hmm. come up, ask you, say, Hey, did you tell them you're about bipolar? Cause I remember you mentioned you never said yes. bipolar. You would just say depression, anxiety. Yes. So how did that come mm-hmm. out? So It was actually, I followed the magazine for a very long time, reading all the blog and really connecting with the women. They were just disoriented. They were, they just felt like my people and they wrote things that, things that we would think about or messy things that had happened to them and what they had learned. And it was like one space on the internet that I felt like not judged. And so I thought to myself, I want to meet them. And so some of them are local and I went to like a conference and I just knew we would end up working together. And with the event planning that I do, I went up to uh, Edelette. She was the editor-in-chief. And she, I just said, you know, do you need fundraising? Like, I can do events. So we did an event and we worked together. But then all, like, we started hanging out in different ways. And if you listen to it, it's very women empowerment. But also, like, you can't help but have deep relationships. So I told them in small circles. And we just became, like, really close friends and there was zero judgment there. And I thought, well, if there's zero judgment here, perhaps there would be zero judgment in other spaces. So I had told them, but I had never said it publicly because I've been a public speaker about other things. Um, And so, yeah, and it was wild because I was reading it and I was so scared I was going to lose my spot. So in bipolar fashion I always joke it's on brand I didn't want to get the papers mixed up that was my biggest fear and I still do it when I public speak today I I don't know why but I like chuck each paper behind me as I finish people seem to to like that but I don't plan it it's literally like almost an anxiety response or like that page is done but I remember throwing the paper and I got home and I was like I just told 80 people that I have bipolar disorder and I threw papers and whatever, but the response and then the private messages I got after and I'm like, oh, okay, this might be, this might be for me. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. I just like the, (laughs) and especially like how you got into opening up to them and then going and and then helping them with the event planning and then getting to know them and then really starting to feel comfortable Mm. from, from opening up to that. Because that's the thing is that we all start somewhere, right? When we get into this process of opening up about the diagnosis. Mm. And I love that you talk about too, having the diagnosis in 2010. Mm. And then you talk about kind of it in 2016, starting to feel like you're finding your people and, mm-hmm. and being able to speak about it and then getting into meeting Julie mm. and then starting This Is Bipolar and then boom, the pandemic happening. And then really, I feel like that's something that I relate to too, is right when that happened, you know, starting to connect with other people online, like you said, like 
that it can get a bad rap for itself of mm-hmm. online, you know, spending so much time on our phones with the screen time, the scrolling and all this stuff. But when you're able to find someone like you and other people out there who also mm. are sharing their stories and like you said, receiving those messages. So what was that like for you after that event and mm. you had the messages coming in mm-hmm. and then getting connected with with Julie, I remember you mentioning too, that you, you were like, I had no idea that I'd find these people or that they would even want to interact with me yeah. and share their stories with me. Mm-hmm. So talk more about that. Like what mm-hmm. has that done for you and how did that help you get through the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. So just practicing in that safe space and then meeting Julie and then sharing, it's like almost like exercising a muscle, right? Like you get used, you start sharing more, but those messages, you just, they just mean everything. And in fact, I mean, because it's a bigger account, we get like a lot of messages and PS it's only me. So if I take a really long time, it's because it's only me right now answering those messages. So I answered them, but sometimes it takes me a bit, but I found like to this day, I like screenshot or cut and paste ones. And I have a file that's like, it says reminders because like literally once a month or maybe more like once two or every two or three months, I'm like, I get self-conscious or I start to get a few depression symptoms and I want to tear it all down. I'm like, what am I good? You can Google me. This is, you know, or, or I'm not worthy or, or the podcast is not even like, why am I doing this? And then I have those reminders. So they, they, they really just just keep me going and um i just love that everyone's supportive because sometimes in communities cuz i started off mostly speaking in in communities of women so this was the first time and then doing wired the first time that it was also you know with men with everyone it just felt like sometimes there's com- competition you know, between women or between this. And I just love, and if you don't join Paris or be online, or or we mostly hang out on Instagram, but that everyone lifts each other up, right? It is my greatest joy to be interviewing someone or talking to someone and see that it empowers them to tell their story, because I want that same freedom for other people. It gave me permission to show up. I'm like, whoa, I could show up as my full self. I could be completely integrated instead of being like, who is Shaylee? What is bipolar? When really it's intertwined and it's full and whole and that helped with healing instead of always trying to to figure it out. So I'm not even sure I answered your question, but that is my answer. (laughs) No, that is, oh my gosh. And just hearing you say that, especially the reminder piece of Mm -hmm. having those reminders, because I feel like it really works both ways. Like you're seeing those come in because I really relate a lot to that too, of, you know, having these different things come up where you start to feel like, like people can look me up and they can know really (laughs) intimate parts of my life or you, you opening up and saying, you know, this is my diagnosis. Here's this event that happened or history with it. And then saying anyone can find that. And one thing that stuck out to me is we were having a conversation one time Mm. and you talked about the podcast at school with your kids. And you, I remember you said, I think you were talking about one of the teachers or someone was like, Oh, you have a podcast. Like I, I, that's what I think is so cool because to have a parent who is so open about their mental health, their mm-hmm. diagnosis, and you're really breaking that cycle of normalizing that. So what mm-hmm. was that like for you when you were in that moment and yeah. you know 
What was that like? Yeah. So I always like kind of joke or whatever. It is easier to tell like the entire world and interwebs than sometimes closeness. Right. So like there's this, I guess it's like internal stigma that I always feel like I want someone to meet me and have a conversation with me before they find out. Do you know what I mean? Cause I feel like I need to represent cause maybe they've only seen TV. And so someone like your kid's teacher before you've met them, right? And I had to own it because, I mean, like the name of your podcast, like your book, right? As soon as you tell someone you have it, you have to tell them the title, right? Because people are all into, oh, mental health advocacy. And I'm like, yeah, because I live, do you know? So it was like equally terrifying and um, equally like I was just so proud of her. And honestly, I have so much hope for the next generation because they don't talk about it like it's a big deal. I mean, we have work to do, but my kids would be like, you know, oh, to their friends, like, oh, I can't have therapy. Or like now they're just like, yeah, my mom's bipolar or whatever. Right. And so they don't, they don't carry as many as many stigmas, and I love that. I teach littles, right? Like K to three is my jam, and um, I think teaching them the words, teaching them all—they're there, and they they get it, right? They can they can relate, and so yeah, I have so much hope. But for me, it was equally terrifying, but also um, really really beautiful. And I think that's that's so cool to hear. You talked about needing to represent. So having that yeah. moment when, when she says, yeah. oh, my mom has the podcast and then it's like, oh, what is it called? This is bipolar. Yeah. And saying, well, I live with bipolar. And, and then having yeah. that moment where it's like, now you need to say something back and you're like, yeah, and then, and I love it because, and especially to the work that you do as a teacher, I had really great, great teachers, mm-hmm. but I don't remember mental health ever being a topic Mm -hmm. or ever, I didn't, I never heard of bipolar. I never heard that word until, you know, being at a sleepover one time, but I never heard it from a teacher or this is something that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So what is that like to be able to bring that into education Mm -hmm. and really, what has that been like for you to be able to open in that way? Yeah. So it, it, I don't get to do as much as I would like because I'm, it's called a TOC here, teacher on call, which is fancy for substitute teacher, right? So which works terrific with having a podcast and living with the illness because I can choose when I want to go to work. So I understand completely that that is a privilege and that not all can do that, but that really helps me manage because if I'm having an awful day, I can take the time to do the things and I don't have to go to work. So the hard thing about that is I can create the relationships like in one day. Now that I've been doing it so long, people can request me. So I basically work for my friends in like three schools. So I have the community with the kids so I can do more age appropriate kind of things, but I have to there. I still need to be a little bit careful because their parents don't know me. So I bring in my teacher suitcase that has tips and tricks and special books, or sometimes there's not a plan left for you. So I have to just make one. And so I do it through usually reading books and having conversations. And I read Julie's children's book a lot. And we do the exercise of, I just really teach them how to listen to themselves and like do it through diary. We talk, we like dear diary ones, or we do this. And I tell them, I try to empower them like I don't have to read this right this is for you and I was 
shocked. And even the teacher, when they came back about how much they shared and they wanted someone to hear that part of their story. I thought they'd all be like, dear diary, I rode my bike today. But some kids were like, my parents had an argument and I was upset or like, I was just, I wasn't prepared. And I was like, wow, when we give kids this outlet, right. And now in the schools, we have colors, like you're in this zone or this zone along like a rainbow or whatever. But I love that our curriculum and just how we teach, we're not saying, oh, you're in the red zone. You're feeling angry, dysregulated, da, da, da. You know, like, how can you get to the blue zone immediately? Because that's not really possible. But like, I don't know about you, but I can't be like, regulate nervous system, right? So giving them the tools to get from there and also being like, it's okay to be mad. To the littles, I'm like, that, sometimes someone just validating be like, that sounds terrible. Or I can see why you're so angry and moving to that. Like I always used to think you have to squish it, squish the feeling, squish the thought. That's how you're, you know, that's how to deal with your illness. And the more you do that, it, it gets worse. Right. So anyways, my experience with kids, if I had my own classroom, I think I would definitely introduce more words, but there's a bit of limitations being the one that comes in. So mostly through books. Mm -hmm. I love that too. And especially like you mentioned the tools Mm -hmm. to get there opposed to going back to being conditioned what what we grew up, right? Squish the thoughts, cover it up. Don't, don't express it. And I love that you have that exercise where you're able to actually give them say, okay, have a dear diary and write in it, but then also say, this is something that mm-hmm. you don't have to share. And then knowing that they, they're wanting mm-hmm. to, to open up and have, and share these things too, because that really is something that needs to be in more schools yeah. for, for sure to validate the feelings and to really even recognize them instead of just, I'm only this, or how do I get from the red zone to the blue zone? Because being angry is bad and being sad is not good. And I need to be happy and I need to show that. So I love that you were teaching them that and getting into being able to express those things. Mm. And then also too, with the podcast Mm. and then also with the teaching too, that you do, you also do the event planning. So I'd love to hear, tell me about how you got into Mm. doing the event planning. Yeah. Sometimes I say half of it's the hypomania and half of it's the extrovert and all of the in-between, but I love doing lots of things. And so I've always loved to decorate, right? And I love surrounding beauty because I believe my friend has said beauty draws the heart to hope so I used to think like oh maybe I'm vain because I love clothes or I love this and I was like no it draws beautiful things flowers draws me to hope and so I took that and my favorite thing is to gather people and so uh, I just start I don't even know which one the first one I think I started to do some in churches And then once my kids started school, I was that PTA mom, like super nice, but like the Pinteresty, I, you know, I can decorate, surely I can organize people. Let's put on a carnival (laughs) and I'd organize the whole thing. And so then I offered to do it for She Loves and then some other nonprofits that I met there would, would ask me. So it was like a half volunteer thing. And then I also get paid to do it as well. I'm not like your typical event planner. I don't do weddings. I could, but I don't. I feel like that would be really, really high stress. And it's usually for nonprofits or I ha- it has to have a meaning. Like I have to believe in it, right? So I've done ones for nonprofits that 
that works with refugees or, or if it has a because I'm very justice oriented and so if it has that I, I do a lot of galas I do a lot of fundraisers and such and I've put on women's I love women's events right mm-hmm. and I've just branched out into like wired and stuff and I realize you know um the the men are safe too right they're struggling too and I I really have connected with a lot of brave men that are sharing their stories because there's like a different stigma there right and so yeah that's kind of how it started I don't have an event planning background I that's generally what happens to me except teaching I didn't just jump I had to get my degree (laughs) but the other things I just kind of do like I've never taken social media management and I manage a few other people's accounts as well I'm kind of trial and error I don't know about you, but it sometimes kicks me in the butt, but I'm more of like a jump into it and then realize, like I don't read directions. Like, Do you know what I mean? And so I, <laughs> I jumped into these things using things that I loved because I have tried to do an event that I wasn't connected to or knew someone or passionate about, and I did it, but it didn't fulfill me in the same way. So I, I, it, I'm very selective. Yeah. I love the justice oriented behind Mm -hmm. it. And like you mentioned, starting with the churches Mm -hmm. and then the schools, Mm -hmm. the galas and the nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And then I also like the fact that you have the boundary of the weddings because recognizing how high stress, because I mean, we're getting married in three months and we have, we have a wedding planner, right? So that's great. But I can't imagine, you know, she's been doing this for 30 years and she talks about, you know, up to 10 weddings a year. And she's like, I can't do it anymore. And just noticing how much goes into things like that. But really, like you said, recognizing the cause behind it and then being driven to put this together for that purpose. Mm -hmm. What I really, really love too. And when you think about yourself with your, your experiences, your diagnosis Mm -hmm. and everything since then up until this moment, what does it mean for you Mm. to live well bipolar? Yeah. I love that. It's a great name. I think it means for me is it was really healing for me to grapple with the idea that it is a lifelong thing, right? And that healing is not linear. So, because I could beat myself up like we're here again. I didn't want to tell anyone I am depressed again. I should be farther along right? I'm an advocate. It's been 13 years. Um, But I think accepting that it's not linear, I was able to stop thinking about that. Stop thinking because I've chosen medication. Stop thinking, could I get off? Would I get off? Putting that aside, using what works for me and just accepting that living alongside, right? You say living well, bipolar. Doesn't mean I'm just living well. I'm living the best I can with in my disorder, because it isn't going to go, it's incurable at this point, right? And so when I get back to those spaces, I was finding I was struggling even more because I was in the space and then judging myself for being in the space, right? And so I think live well bipolar means to me is, uh, you know, almost like, it sounds so cheesy in therapy or whatever, but almost like being able to say living with bipolar, I am not bipolar. I live with bipolar, but working together, seeing the bipolar Shaylee and working together and doing the things and understanding my limitations, understanding 
Do you know what I mean? And so to me, it means living well with it, means accepting it and doing the best I can and not judging myself if whatever happens, you know, because sometimes no matter what we do, all the self-care, all the things, right? Like I just, for the first time in 12 years, I, I had a pretty... Uh, not the deep sadness that I used to call it before medication, but I had a big dip and I, I was kind of shocked because it's been a long time and none of the things are miraculous. None of the things were working, but I knew small steps and I knew to just keep doing it. Even though I wasn't feeling totally better, I knew those steps would add up. And I knew once I came out of it, those, I would have like this foundation of the steps I did. So yeah, working, working with my bipolar and not against it, I think would be what live well. I love that. And hearing you describe that to me is almost like Mm -hmm. picturing instead of cutting this thing out, like you need to get out of my life. Or it's like when you have a little brother and little sister and you're like, I don't want my brother. He's not mine. He's not in my family. And instead of being like, no, this is He's, he's part of the family and then living alongside that mm-hmm. and accepting that it's not linear. And like, I feel like even having this idea that you're an advocate mm-hmm. and then I think like people who might not have too much understanding of mm-hmm. it being like, oh, she is very open about it, talks about it, you know, has the podcast yeah. and does like all of these different things with it. So by this point, you know, you must be exactly. great. Like you never have bad days anymore, but yeah. really just recognizing that they're still going to come. They're still mm-hmm. going to happen because- we're going, we have all the thoughts we have in our head every day. They're not all going to be positive. They're not all going to be good. We're going to have that come in where I like you said, I want to stop the podcast. And even with me having that come in, like I'm done with this. Should I just stop doing it? Should I take a break? Should I get, I'm getting overwhelmed. I feel like it's, it's too much. And then just being like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I feel like I'm being too open. I don't know. And having these doubts, having these hesitations, then having these days where you're feeling the depression coming back again, or you're feeling the symptoms of like being more on the manic side yeah. and then recognizing that yourself, but being able to have that community mm-hmm. to go to. And, and even when it's to open up about it, that's what I love that you talk mm-hmm. about. And especially the perspective you have on medication. Cause I know for me, I t- take my medication mm-hmm. and struggling with one time in my life, having gone off that and then, mm. and then having people being like, Oh, like you, you know, maybe you should, you don't need to take it. Or, mm-hmm. and then I feel like that's it too. It's realizing everyone's on their own, they're individual, have their own. It's all different. It shows things show up differently for Mm -hmm. someone else than it may for you. And we are talking about being manic or having hypomania. It's not going to look like for you, it might look different than some, than someone else that I know who has bipolar too. And I love that the way the perspective you have on that and just the, the willingness to continue the work and just mm-hmm. sharing more of what is helping and what the reality looks like. Yes. With My favorite thing disorder. is people that share and I try to do it and it's, it's hard. Like I like getting dressed up and shiny and usually on the video part of the podcast, you know, I feel like I'm so vulnerable, like dressing up is like my little bit of keeping myself a little safe, but I love people that show up and I try to do it in the messy part. And not the after part. I never, I didn't see a lot online where they were talking about it right in it. It was always I used to and now. And so my favorite accounts, and I try and show up as sometimes it's hard, right? Looking like a mess, talking about not doing well. Um, those comfort me, right? And you're going to get the people that are like, because they're uncomfortable with the idea of mental illness. They're going to be like, you overshare. 
But I know from the messages and from talking to people like you, I know that sometimes that oversharing or showing up a hot mess is comforting. And it's comforting for me. So I try, I try to do that because of course I'd love to just put up my highlight reel, right? Of course, that's going to feel, we care what people think, but I just found the accounts I follow and interact with are, are less of the highlight reels and more of the real reels. <laughs> or Yeah, no, I, I love that too. And just hearing people's experiences and what it looks like today and now, and you're in the process of figuring it out, you know, and whether I'm newly diagnosed and I've tried all these different medications and it's hard and I don't care what it looks like, you know, I, it's not, oh, your story will wait until you're more better Then you can come talk to me. No. And that's what I love about you too, is that it's not like, it's only, okay, seeing people at their best mm. because that's not an accurate representation no. of bipolar. And I feel like that's what I try to do too. Yeah. With, when you talk about live well bipolar, it's just the concept of the possibility that you can actually do that because for so long, I never thought there was, there's no way you can live well. They can't be together. Right? You, can't, yeah. you can't live well and have bipolar in the same. You can't do that. So that's kind of what it comes down to. That's really what I picture when you talk about mm-hmm. this other part of yourself that you're, yeah. you're inviting in mm-hmm. is there, you realize that it's, it's incurable, but there's, like you said, different things that we can do to manage yeah. it. So instead of con- trying to push it out, I don't have this denying yeah. and running away from it, really getting to the root of why we can be like that sometimes mm-hmm. and why that comes up and yeah. really just talking about it and being more open. So I love you for that yeah. and just the vulnerability and just everything that you you've done and just with this is bipolar. So I'd love before we, before we hop off, mm. tell everybody where can they go to get mm. more of Shaylee <laughs> and more of you? Tell us. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we spend a lot of the time on Instagram and it's at dot this dot at this is bipolar, but dots in between. It'll come up right away. And I spend a lot of time on there starting conversations and such, but we actually have the actual podcast. Just this is bipolar can be found on any of the podcast spaces. And then we do have a YouTube channel because we were like, you know, go big or go home. So it's everywhere. But I spend most of my time on on Instagram. You can ask me questions about um, the podcast or or whatever, see it there. So you can find it on there. And a part of the podcast isn't just I do with Paris, right? We had her on listen to that episode. Um, I do. It's called conversations with because I don't just want to share my story. My love is lifting up other people's stories. So yeah, you can find us pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and I love to connect. And honestly, sometimes people think with like bigger accounts that they don't. I I try my very best. It takes time. And if I'm not doing well, sometimes it'll take longer. And I I, I think people respect that. And so I would love, love, love to come because it's not just a page, you know, and you say this about your space too. It it really is a community and a and a gathering. It's it's not the Shaley show, right? It's it's us. We're all in this together. Yes, you guys. And I'll put all that information in the show notes. So please go connect with Shaylee. She is everything that you heard here today, just such a bright light and just really being able to have that space. Like, and you'll definitely see more of that. Check her out, follow her, listen to the show. And, and I'm so thankful for you guys being here and just taking the time to listen and just want to learn more about 
bipolar disorder. What is this all about? What does it mean to live with it? What does living well look like? And thank you so much for being here. And mm-hmm. on that note, I want to say bye to you guys and mm-hmm. bye to Shaylee. So thank Shaylee. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming out. So I mm-hmm. hope that you have a good rest of the night and we'll keep keep doing this thing. Yes. All right. Bye.